welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. You know, you've probably noticed that six of our seven most recent podcasts have focused on experience. We've talked about the importance of delivering a great experience to a modern workforce. We've talked about the connection between great worker experience and productivity, which you know is why we're going to be doing this. We've talked about how to actually measure experience, the different aspects of that. And probably most importantly, we've talked about how to take the experience measures and actually doing something useful with it. And if you've followed the series, you're probably very ready for this episode because we're going to be talking about anti-patterns in delivering experience management. I'm speaking with Neil Keating, For the last seven years, Neil and his UK-based company have been helping more than 100 enterprises around the world. Neil, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks, Weston. Looking forward to this. So, yeah, good to be here. So, Neil, let's get started. We're going to be talking about anti-patterns in experience management. I I think it might be useful to share a definition. I mean, here's one that I found. Anti-patterns are common solutions to common problems where the solution is actually ineffective. So that's what we want to look for is is things that people may think they're doing right, but it turns out actually hurt them instead. So the first one I'd like to talk about is commonly called the knee-jerk reaction. I mean, Neil, what are you seeing in the area of experience management where this is done badly? Experience is often now something that everybody is really interested in, everyone's going for, but they don't necessarily know what they're looking to do. So they kind of think, okay, we need to do an XLA. We think that's what's going to fix the issues that we have don't often go into the detail of that and they'll go straight to something like a survey or something like that. What they really need to do before they even go to a survey or go to an XLA is to think through what is it we're trying to achieve here? Why is it we want to achieve this? Who are we going to ask the questions of? Have we got the right responses and the right bias and the right sample? And then we can work out what the right patterns might be, look for trends, find some issues and go away and fix those. But a quick knee-jerk, we just find people go straight to a, a some form of sentiment survey thinking they've solved the problem, and that actually only gives them problems down the line. So let's talk about a very related anti-pattern, the squeaky wheel syndrome, where in, say, a typical organization, the, the person that is complaining the loudest is the one that we react to. Is that a problem that can occur inside of experience management? We often find those with the loudest voices tend to get heard first, and they're the ones that everyone chases after and runs after. Regardless of that experience is only affecting that one person, if that person's a very senior, important person, everyone runs after that. It could be the fact, though, that there's more experienced problems facing a larger group of people, which would get much more value out of fixing those ones first. When you're doing experience management, you're trying to find patterns in the information you've gathered for larger groups of people that you can then think these groups of people are unhappy or having poor experience with this section of IT or these services that we're delivering. How can we fix that? How can we get that back onto the right trajectory and start improving their experience? When one person's screaming loud because they've got one issue, that noise reverberates around the whole of experience and people tend to get diverted very quickly. That doesn't help experience management generally at all. Did you talk about the squeaky wheel there, Weston? There is also one, I think, an anti-pattern you, you see quite a lot, called the square wheel, reinventing the square wheel. And we see that with senior managers as well. No, I've not heard of that one. 
Well, so, so reinventing the square wheel is, you know, that we may have said to them, this is the solution we'd like to put in place, or this is a standard tool set that we think would help you deliver experience management. And what they do is they reinvent that standard solution to such a high degree that it's gone beyond the use of what it was there to do and doesn't help them either. They think they're doing something because they're trying to make it more bespoke and unique to their organization. But what they've actually done is reinvented a square wheel that's of no use to the organization at all because they've, they've configured things to such a degree that it doesn't work anymore. So we, we see both those ones, actually. And I'm thinking about the very first time that an experience program might be rolled out with a company. There might be a gap between expectations versus what it really is all about. Do you need to set expectations properly about what an experience program is going to be like so that you know you can kind of avoid the squeaky wheel syndrome, where, especially if that's a leader in the organization who expects that things are instantly going to be resolved the minute anybody complains? How do you prevent that from the get-go? Yeah, that is a big problem because I think people do think that we've just brought in a tool to help us with experience management. We've just put in some experience metrics, some XLAs. That is going to be the answer to all of our problems straight away. But we have to remember, and we do set these expectations right at the front. At the start of every project, we do say to people, experience is a journey. You measure experience cumulatively. Experience isn't something that you're going to then on day one suddenly fix. And therefore, we can all move on now. We fixed experience. Let's go back to doing something else. Experience happens every day, but it's measured continually and over a period of time. If you find out that an organization's got some particular issues, and that might take a project to go and fix, it might take some budget to go and fix, it might not be even something you can fix there and then. Just because people are saying they've got experience issues, you need to plan and get them fixed, and that could take some while. So experience is a cumulative journey. A complaint I hear about experience programs from time to time is that they are doing a great job of measuring the experience and reporting and producing all kinds of graphs and charts and reports. Here's how happy everybody is or isn't, but actually getting changes implemented or results coming from that so that experience improves may be lacking. Now, a lot of the anti-patterns we're talking about here do deal with that latter phase, You know, taking the data, taking the results of experience and then acting on them, right? Making a decision to make some change. So uh, one of the anti-patterns that I think is interesting is this idea of the golden hammer or the silver bullet, where if you've solved a problem in the past using a certain solution, that that becomes your go-to. You use that solution for every new problem that appears. Have you seen that as a trap? We definitely see that. Yeah. I, I tend to call that the emperor has no clothes, really. But occasionally we come across somebody who's perhaps used a solution before in a different organization or a different part of the business and says, no, no, I understand what you're saying, but this is the solution I'd like to put in place. And they believe that's the answer to all the problems. They may have had had a solution in place. Maybe it's a tool, maybe it's a process. Maybe they've put some uh, proactive SLAs in place before that they think are now going to answer the problem of experience. It doesn't, by the way. The problem we find with that is there's nothing wrong with some of those metrics or solutions, but if it doesn't fit the issue that we're dealing with, which is probably a different issue, you're effectively putting a a round peg in a square hole. And often these people, because they're quite senior, and the reason we call it the emperor with no clothes, is that they will stand there and say, this is what we're going to do. I've done this before. And people around the room, people in that team 
are a little bit resistant to actually say, no, we disagree. We don't think that's the right solution. And so it normally becomes a very a culturally challenging project for consultants like us to say, well, that's a great thing that you're doing there. Let's look at the problem that we're facing right now. Does that actually fit this solution? But it takes a while for that person to come round to that way of thinking. Even if everybody else is on that plane, it takes a while for the other person to get on. So, yeah, that, I've seen that across quite a few projects, actually, Weston. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about how to address that. What uh, are some techniques or ways that you've seen where you've gotten around that where, you know, a senior person has a maybe limited knowledge or outdated knowledge, but they're driving the, the way to move forward with experience management, then it, it really is the wrong way to go? Well, I think there's three things that that I've certainly seen in the past. Uh, first of all, I tend to try and take that senior person aside and we talk through where their experiences are and we talk through where our experiences are. We try and take that person on a one-to-one journey and say, look, where have you used this before? Why has that been successful with you before? These are the things that we've seen out in the industry that other organizations are doing. And we combine all that knowledge so they feel part of the solution. So often it's a one-to-one approach. The other thing we tend to do is a groundswell. So one of the things we try and do before we start projects is we get everybody in that project team up to a certain level of with experience management. So they're all on the same plane. They all understand the dynamics of experience management, the dynamics of an XLA, the type of things that they need to go through. And if we can get everyone before we even start the, the strategy of the project on the same speed, on the same level, then we tend to find that we can actually hit that problem off at the pass. For me, it tends to be about getting people educated in what experience management is. If we can do that beforehand, then great. If we can't, then I tend to take someone aside, work with them on the side to try and get them back into the fold. Because even if everyone else is saying that this is the right direction, if one senior person is saying we need to go completely the other way, we have an impasse. The third thing that we also do which is actually just working openly with people. Sometimes, even though it's fitting a square peg in a round hole, there will be elements of of what they've done before that we think maybe we will include that. So, for example, if someone believes that customer satisfaction is absolutely fundamental to an experience management solution, I wouldn't necessarily agree that customer satisfaction is to do with experience management. But if they're really strong and saying, no, no, we really need to have customer satisfaction and we want to have a CSAT survey as part of this solution we're building here, then maybe I would include that into the solution as long as we have sentiment surveys and O data and other X data metrics that we're measuring too. So we can include other areas as long as we don't lose the key driver for experiences. What you're saying there, Neil, reminds me of another anti-pattern that I know you've had experience with generally called scope creep in experience management where the scope of what is to be included in experience management is not clear. That has been a real problem over the last six to nine months, Western, because experience management is still quite a new subject in a lot of ways. If you think through things like ITSM or DevOps or things like that, they're very mature processes that you know exactly where you can start or exactly where you can stop. With experience management, people sometimes think you know, by doing an XLA, by bringing in an experience management tool, that's going to be the panacea to all their issues, but don't necessarily know where that journey starts or where that journey is going to stop. We once worked with a banking client. The project that we agreed with them to start with was really about educating them in terms of what experience is, going through our sort of education portfolio, enabling them to start building experience metrics for themselves. That 
crept and crept and crept. And we ended up actually designing experience metrics as part of those workshops. That really wasn't what we were meant to do. But the management of the project was saying, no, we need a bit more. We need to end up with an XLA. But we tended in Consultancy Western, we tended to go above and beyond what we would expect it to do because it's quite new. And we want we want organisations to actually land the project. It is a challenge for every single project, however, I must say, the start and the stop. Where does that start? Where does that finish? It's, even when we define it as the best we can, customers always want more. There's always more you can do with experience. And, you know, and that is a challenge, but I think worth the investment. When people think about IT, they often think about their service desk experience and anything wrong with IT is directed at the service desk, right? So the service desk is going to be collecting and hearing complaints about bad experience. But the problem is it may be beyond their scope to solve it. One example I know you've thrown out is the company may have decided, oh, we're going to deploy Windows for all the users. And yet there's a group within the organization that really loves Macs. If you ask them how they feel about IT, they say, we hate it. (laughs) And yet if the service desk is collecting that information, there's nothing they can do to fix that. And I'm just wondering what you've seen in terms of a best practice for being able to you know, the people that are collecting experience, even if that experience is negative and it's beyond the scope of something they can resolve, a best practice in communicating that to other parts of the organization, you know, have you seen any best practices in that space? One case in point was actually for a multinational manufacturing organization that really wanted to put in experience metrics right across the organization, but it was being driven by the lead of the service desk organization and you're absolutely right the service desk is the face of it generally any problems that happen they all go to the service desk so she started to put in experience metrics with my help but in the end i had to rein them back in because what was happening is that the experience measures that we'd built were covering the whole of it however her responsibility was only a segment of that. So she was collecting data and analyzing data and finding trends, finding patterns, and finding issues with experience in other areas of the business. That's fantastic. We call that the lighthouse approach, where you're shining a light on experience issues elsewhere. But if everybody else isn't on the same plane or the same journey or isn't ready for that yet, then because it's outside of your sphere of control or outside of your sphere of influence, there was nothing that she could do to fix that. So those problems were still happening. So after a period of time, she was getting very, very frustrated with the fact that she's showing people where the experience issues are, but they weren't being dealt with. The company at that point culturally probably wasn't ready to to have experience across the whole organization. So in the end, and we had to reduce the scope for a period of time and only focus on experience metrics that were in the service leader's sphere of control, sphere of influence. Only then did we start then building it back out across different departments a little bit slower than she did originally anticipated. But that was the right way of doing it because we proved success and we then started to develop it out further. So I think you either get everyone together on the same page first or you start a bit smaller and take bite-sized chunks, small steps to broaden it out as you go through. That's what I would suggest. The final anti-pattern we're going to take a look at here, Neil, number six, is kind of the opposite of one we talked about earlier, the golden hammer, silver bullet, where you've got the person in a position of power and leadership that thinks they know what's needed and they're pushing it, even though they don't have a full understanding, to management by committee. I think that's a phrase we all know, but what does management by committee mean in terms of an anti-pattern 
for experience management programs? Well, one of the things we find is that somebody in an organization will say, we want to go and do experience management, but won't know the full facts. Because experience cuts across all those departments, they feel they need to get people from each of those departments involved in the project. Now, that's a good thing. We want all those people to be involved in experience. But the downside of that is when they put those people into a project to say, you will help build those experience metrics, you will help build what we call the experience management office. I've worked on a project, and I kid you not, there was 30 plus people in a workshop. Most of those people were not on video. Most of those people have put themselves on mute, so they weren't even participating. There was a select group, let's say four or five people who were really invested, really interested, really wanted to get this done. And they were the ones who were on video and were participating. But the other 25 people were present but weren't participating. That was a real challenge to get anything through. The outcome of that was that although we designed the right solution, it took a long time for that solution to actually land with that customer and get implemented because those other 25 people just only paid this project 10% attention and that wasn't enough to get through. So the better way of doing a project, in my mind, is even though we want to enable everybody, we enable everyone through education, but the design and the implementation parts of that project are done with a select few who have the skills, the bandwidth and the desire to get a solution through in the best possible way. And then we work with those operational managers afterwards to say, here's the solution we've designed. Please comment and come back to us. And so they feel part of that solution, but then we're going to roll that out across the business. Having all those people and designing it by committee was a complete and utter failure. Secondly, even when we did subgroup that and we started to say, well, we'll only have a few less people into a particular workshop, people had all these different opinions were arising. So, no, I think we should go down this direction. Or, no, I think we should have this tool. And I want that tool. And, no, 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 I've got experience of this one. Almost back to the silver bullet anti-pattern we were talking about before. So you mustn't have too many people trying to design a solution. It doesn't work. Well, Neil, as I look back at my notes here, man, we have covered quite a bit in this episode. Six different anti-patterns that can impact negatively your efforts to roll out an experience management program, the knee-jerk reaction, the squeaky wheel syndrome, reinventing the square wheel, golden hammer, scope creep, and lastly here, this management by committee. I mean, Neil, I really appreciate the time you've taken to share your knowledge with us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Weston. I've enjoyed that, so thank you. You've been listening to Neil Keating, the co-founder and chief experience officer of Bright Horse, a company dedicated to helping enterprises Get a grip on providing great experience to your workforce. If you'd like to know more about this topic, I will include a link to Neil's company's homepage. I invite you to take a look at what they have to offer there. Neil, I think I'd like to invite you back to a follow-on session. Maybe we can look at some of the bad practices. We've talked about anti-patterns here, but maybe just bad practices or traps that you've seen people fall into as they try to build and roll out and execute on an experience management program. Is that something you're up to? I'd love to, Weston. Yeah, tell me when and I'll be there. Yeah, that sounds fun. (laughs) Okay, excellent. Well, you've been listening to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening. 